Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul and Justin Baker, my co-host, joining us via satellite. Say hello to all your fans, Justin. Hello, all my fans. <laughs> fan. I should said. I should have said fan. Yeah, and you're probably right. There's only one of them. It's not fair to that one guy to assume that there's more than that. It's yeah. wrong of you to assume that it's a guy. That's so true. <laughs> I am clearly. Never mind. We're not going to go down that road. Uh, okay, so yeah. obviously we have game two. Uh, we'll give a, a few of our passing thoughts on a another excellent game of these finals between the Washington Capitals and the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, but mainly our focus is going to be on the Edmonton Oilers, the New York Islanders times two. Uh, and since uh, the Islanders have Calgary Flames pick uh, their second pick will we'll, uh, cover the Calgary Flames instead of doing the Islanders twice, as per Justin's suggestion, and I, I vetoed that suggestion. No, no two times Islanders. Now, if you want to do the Islanders twice, all you have to do is just figure out where we start talking about the Islanders, listen to the end, and then just go back to it. You'll be like you heard the there Islanders you twice. You don't even have to listen to the Flames if you don't want to. <laughs> But okay, uh, so Justin, give me your uh, you know thirty second version of of your thoughts on Game Two, won by the Capitals, of course, three to two. Uh, I'm just going to assume that anyone that watches, what, what listens to our podcast, watch that game because first off, there's no other game to watch, but second off, you know, it's you listen to our True. podcast, so obviously you love hockey. <laughs> you're, you're not well, just yeah. a passing fan uh, who doesn't know what's going on. So uh, thoughts on Game Two. Yeah, goaltending for Washington, Brayden Holpe stepped up big time. I mean, obviously we could we could talk all day about uh, the save at the end of the game, and I've already been hearing on XM on the NHL Network just guys raving about how it might go down as one of the greatest saves of all time in the Stanley Cup Final. I have my reservations on that. Even how though about I'm still one of the luckiest saves in the history of the Stanley Cup Final? How about that? There you go. I actually, although, compare, although I the, like to compare. No, go ahead. Oh, the reflexes of that play were anything but luck. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I like to compare that that save to basically Peter Morazic a few years ago against Tampa and Brian Boyle, that paddle save he made. I mean, just pure luck where you put your stick. But um, nevertheless, back to the game. I mean, it, it was a it was a gritty game. I loved watching it, and I hope every single game for the rest of the seat the series just ends up like one of those. And especially with a Washington win, will make me even happier. Uh, I'll just say that you know I'm rooting for Game Seven overtime. And I, I I stated in our last show that I was rooting for Washington to win that game to keep it close. They did it. Mm-hmm. And now game three, I cheer for overtime. That is what I will be cheering for. Because as great as this series has been, uh, it could use some overtime. And, you know, this playoff in particular hasn't really had much in terms of those grueling overtime games. Uh, I think maybe those are... I mean, I don't want to say necessarily a thing of the past. They still happen, but uh, I, I think we'll see less of those triple, quadruple overtime. Just just the way that teams play is just so difficult to go that long without both teams scoring a goal. Uh, but I, I am hoping for a nice medium scoring game with overtime, a nice 4-3 okay. OT win or something like that. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, big game for Lars Eller as well. Outside of Hopi, you know, he stepped up with Kunetsov going down on the first. And, you know, you quietly see him playing. I think he had like close to 19 minutes of ice time in that game. And so it was great to see him step up in a big way for the Caps. And hopefully Kuznetsov can come back because 
you know, you like you and I both want the series to go, you know, six, seven games. And, and they uh, need having, Kuznetsov to do that. Yeah, absolutely. They, they absolutely. do. Uh, as as good as Lars Eller has played in the absence of Backstrom and now the absence of Kuznetsov, uh, I, I just... Against Vegas, the way that they play, I just don't see uh, Lars Eller being able to be as good as he was in that game. I mean, somebody's going to – the game plan for Kuznetsov, and then Eller comes up. So I think right. that maybe there was just a little bit of a, oh, shoot, Lars Eller. Yeah, he's playing a lot. Uh, and it, he's day-to-day uh, with that upper body injury, but it, it just did not look good. I mean, the look on his face, he was – very much grimacing. Uh, so hopefully he can make a return. I mean, let's talk about some some players who have had some ridiculous injuries and still play the next game. I mean, was it was it Bergeron who had like a torn ACL or MCL or something like that in the finals? No, he had a punctured lung. Punctured lung, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah ridiculous and i mean I, I don't know i can't remember off the top of my hood then who it was but uh I've, I've heard of players who have torn ligaments in their knee and they just go out and they play and yeah so i mean by the looks of things i mean in my opinion look if it's a shoulder thing uh well you don't have to lift, lift your your arms above your head right so as long as you can as long as you can use your wrists it, it should be fine for the stanley cup finals I, I was thinking about this yesterday when i was watching the game and I thought, you know, we are this year, and I don't think it's really been focused on, I haven't heard it, that we are finally going to get a different Stanley Cup champion. Like that's, I mean, it's been Pittsburgh, Chicago, LA, and one Boston since 2008. So, I mean, the last 10 yeah. years have been dominated by four teams, and we're, we're finally going to get a different team. Uh, and I, I just, I think that, there's there's some uniqueness about it, and so it got me thinking. All right, how many guys get to a final and then go back again in their career? And it, it just doesn't it doesn't always happen for these guys. You get go there once, and that's it. And so to me, it's just doesn't really matter how much you're hurting as long as you can skate and play a little. I mean, he should be out there. He's still probably better than a, a fourth line player, right? Right. <laughs> so. Okay, well, let's move on to the Edmonton Oilers as uh, we continue our off-season game planning for each team across the league. We have already hit on the Buffalo Sabres, the Carolina Hurricanes, Montreal, Ottawa, Arizona, Detroit, and then last show we did Vancouver, Chicago, and New York Rangers. So we finally get to double digits in the draft. The Edmonton Oilers, this seems... It seems like, uh, you know, a little still strangely late in the draft for the Oilers to be picking. I just can't get past the fact that they're supposed to be picking one or two or three. But uh, a lot of things are changing for the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, they had a such a good 2016-17 season. Uh, they were really, it was, the hope was, hey, hopefully we can make the playoffs not only did they make the playoffs, but they made a pretty good run at it, and they, they came within one game of going to the Western Conference Finals that year. So obviously expectations were very high for the for this last season. And after winning game one, the Oilers dropped five straight, 
and the rest was history. They weren't in the playoff picture the rest of the year, and they just kept falling. Uh, a little bit of a resurgence towards the end, but who cares? They had nothing to play for. Connor McDavid winning the Art Ross with 108 points, playing a bunch of games where they meant nothing. So, uh, I but nevertheless, I, I'm not knocking McDavid. He's incredible, but uh, I think that things need to change there. And also things are changing because you go from Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl making next to nothing, and now combined they will make $28 million, $21 million. So uh, that's a, a huge shift. RFAs, they need to re-sign Ryan Strom, Anton Slepyshev, Eero Pekarinen, Drake Kajula, and along with Darnell Nurse and Matthew Benning on defense, they also have uh, Mike Camilleri and Johan Avito, Avitu. I don't even know who that is. So, uh, <laughs> I, I my guess is Mike Camilleri is not back. He was just uh, they signed UC Okanen and traded him for him in midway in the season. So, this team, what do they need? I mean, it seems like they need everything, but really, how far away are they from being back in a position of, you know, making the playoffs and making a run? You know, I. I personally think they're just one or two decent pieces away from getting back into the playoffs. Now, whether that makes them a legit contender is probably not the case. But, um, you know, for me, I think, one, they need to figure out, are they going to trade Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Are they going to try to continue to play with him on the wing? Or are they going to go out there and try to find somebody to play on the wing with Connor McDavid? Because, um, you know, obviously they had some success with um, with Ryan on the wing with Connor McDavid towards the end of the season. Um, however, he is a, a really nice trade piece for them if they want to go out and try to acquire a scoring winger. Um, now, who that that piece may be is yet to be seen, uh, but I can tell you he would probably fetch a good return. He would be a fantastic, um, you know, number two center on any team, and probably you know on some teams he could even be a number one center. Um, you know, and then again, too, you're you're kind of hoping next year that Cam Talbot has a better year because he was not <laughs> not good last year, and he's in a contract year. So yeah, he took uh, a huge step backwards. But that is a great point yeah. that he is in a contract year, unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. So obviously, yeah. not signing a an extension right now because if you're the Oilers, why would you? He's 30 years old, so it means that when his deal ends, he'll be 31, which not many goalies look great past that 31 32 spot and they start to start to fall and they're really the one of the big reasons they did so well two years ago is because of cam talbot and now obviously when he struggled they the rest of the oilers struggled and uh yeah it's it's an interesting situation because they have uh, you know 17 million locked up in four defensemen that really, when you look at him, you go, "All right, I'll, I'll take Clefbaum. He's he's fine. Lars, like Clefbaum and Larson are fine, but mm-hmm. they're definitely not top pairing guys. And Andre nope. Sakara has, uh, I mean, he can't seem to stay healthy, and he's fa- starting to fall off that map. And he's on the wrong side of thirty as well. I mean, he only played what did he played thirty six games and had eight assists. So. Defensively, they're just an absolute mess. Really, the only real bright spot from this last year, in my opinion, was Darnell Nurse. And Nurse had a solid season. He's not a big points guy, 
Uh, he had 26 points, but uh, the way that he played, I think, shows that he's he's going to be a very good defenseman in this league. So you do have Darnell Nurse. There's some nice pieces, but of course that Chris Russell four million dollars is killing you with no a no movement clause. I apologize if you hear a lot of banging in the background. There's uh, <laughs> construction happening on my house, so that's just hi. Hey, what can you do? Uh, you get to be a part of it with me. It's like a 3D experience with. There you go. What's what's a 3D considered in audio? Is Ooh. that because uh, stereo to me is like 2D, right? get the two sides so i guess 3d would be surround sound how do we get a podcast in surround sound that's the next goal the next your podcast (laughs) has arrived as soon as you're in surround sound (laughs) um as far as what the oilers do in the draft uh drafting at 10 i think they do have some options because of who will probably get taken around that point i think it's going to be a defender i mean at this point, especially how quickly players get to the NHL, you look at this team and you go, yeah, they could use a guy in two, two to three years. That, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's no issue there. So I think they use that 10th pick on a defenseman. Uh, if they don't, then that's just a travesty. Like, it's just, it seems like that's the one area they've never really focused on, other than taking Darnell Nurse, which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Darnell Nurse, I think, was a seventh overall pick. Yes, he was a seventh overall pick. So, I mean, they they took him, but it just seems like, you know, at this point it's your by far your biggest weakness. You can you can get by on throwing some depth players in on Connor McDavid's line. You really can't. Uh Leon Dreisaitl has to be able to swim by himself. And with a McDavid Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, one, two, three punch, there should be enough to figure out how to surround these guys with some decent players. Now, I mean, they have about 15 million in cap space and that's their big issue. 15 million in cap space and you have to re-sign a real good defenseman. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what Ryan Strom gets, but... I'd probably guess around the four, four and a half million dollar mark for maybe a bridge deal, Jeez. a rarity. Would you give a guy with 34 point, 13 goals... A four and a half million dollars? I don't think so. Uh, I I think he's probably more at like two and a half. I won't disagree maybe, maybe with you, three, but I think maybe the desperation. Three. The desperation for what? They don't have very good defense, and so you have one good piece here already where you you think you can legitimately build around for the. Oh, future. I'm sorry, so you're, you're like, talking about Nurse. I was talking yeah, about yeah. I was talking Ryan Strom. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I don't think Ryan Strom's getting four and a half million. No, yeah, Nurse, Nurse will probably get around four, like between four and five. I, I agree with that. Yeah. Oh no, no. yeah, no. I, I think you're right though with with Strom. I think he's probably a two two and a half million dollar player. Somebody who can play wing, maybe fill in at center on your third line. What at a best. terrible trade! Jordan Everly yeah. goes and gets almost sixty points. Looks amazing. Uh, and uh, yeah, what a what a absolutely brutal trade. They lost Taylor Hall and Jordan Eberle, and they have Ryan Strom and Adam Larson. Yay! Ugh. They're so much better for that trade. Good job, yeah. <laughs> good job, everybody. Uh, okay, well, any any last uh, last thoughts for the Edmonton Oilers? Yeah, I'm interested to see. Um, 
you know, if they try to move Al Montoya at all. They got three goalies signed to one-way deals here. So interesting to see that three-headed monster all over the age of 29, too. So they, it's not like they have a young guy coming up. And then right. um, and then on top of that, too, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, Yamamoto maybe take the next step and, and see maybe where some, some younger guys uh, maybe can take the next leap and potentially be some, some NHL players in the minors, see what they got. Yeah, and a guy like uh, Poyarvi, uh, you, you'd hope that he can figure out something. I mean... He was taken what fourth overall, yeah, fourth yeah. overall in 2016, and he in in the NHL in what 38 games he has 13 points. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no, 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 that was wrong. Was wrong. <laughs> now he's played uh, he's played 93 games in the NHL and he has 48 points, which which isn't awful, but no. it's but it's not good. It's you know it's no, not it's not fourth overall kind of good. No, and he could potentially be some good trade material for a team where just you you just say, hey, maybe he just needs to change the scenery, you know? Yeah, I don't think you're giving up on your fourth overall pick that quickly, though. It'll, no, it'll I, be okay. I mean, he's only twenty, and yeah, some you know sometimes guy just takes a an a extra year or two to find his game coming from, especially coming from the European game and the European ice, and I'm sure he'll figure it out. So. Yeah, let's hope so. And then, of course, you know, can you trade Milan Lucic? Nope, that's maybe, not happening. <laughs> maybe. Okay, well, let's uh, let's move on from the Oilers and go to the New York Islanders. The New York Islanders have two first-round picks, two second-round picks. Both of the uh, additional ones are Calgary's. They have a third, fourth, fifth, and seventh-round picks. Uh, they have quite a few free agents here. Uh, you know, big names like... UFAs like uh, Chris Wagner, Nikolai <laughs> Kuhleman, uh, Calvin DeHaan, UFA. Big, solid wow. guy, along with Thomas Hickey. Of course, uh, Dennis Seidenberg, also a UFA, 36-year-old former Bruin. Yaroslav Halak, there's a big guy who's a UFA. And then, uh, of course, RFAs, Ross Johnston, Brock Nelson, Alan Quinn, Shane Prince, and Ryan Bullock and Brandon Davidson on defense. And, uh, you know, it feels like, oh, yeah, uh, John Tavares. We need to figure that out. Let's figure out some John Tavares. L- Lou Lamarillo, now the, whatever, the president of the Islanders or something. Uh, you have been an adamant defender of the fact that John Tavares will not resign on the island. I have said... All along, suffering from Stockholm Syndrome, John Tavares <laughs> will sign his eight-year, you know, $100 million deal. And wow. your thoughts? I'm still sticking with uh, with him leaving. I mean, I, I still think there's maybe a, a 40% chance he stays on the island. And because to me, I think John Tavares, again, he wants to be a legacy player, but you know, honestly, I, I think with the whole stadium situation, especially for the next three years, they're basically going to bounce around between two arenas. Who I, That's annoying to me. Um, and then the fact that they, they've consistently been right on the, you know, the brink of making the playoffs, but they just can't seem to get over that hump. And now, I mean, potentially with Lou coming in, maybe he does make a few, you know, quick pieces, quick trades, uh, acquisitions to say, hey, John, 
I'm going to bring these guys in. We're planning on targeting these guys so we can get you some help for the long term. You know, stick around. Maybe that's a possibility. But, um, you know, to me, I, I think there's a couple glaring issues and that one of them is cap space. Uh, they've got Andrew Ladd just just what a horrible signing. I, yeah, that it, that's that's going to handicap them for the long term, just like Milan Lucic might do for Edmonton. Um, and then to, the biggest, I mean, area of concern for them is obviously the goaltending. Um, but you don't like not, Thomas Grice at three point three million? Yeah, he's going to play backup. I, I mean, you're going to pay your back. This is going to be another Dallas Stars situation. I think they're going to have to go out there and overpay a free agent goaltender, whether that's a, you know, a Carter Hutton or maybe a Robin Lanner, because I don't think he's re-signing in Buffalo, so they're going to let him go. Do you think um, that Buffalo is just going to let him walk? I do. I absolutely do. Just like I think Philadelphia is going to let Peter Morazic walk. And yeah, Peter but, could end up in the island too. But Peter Morazic is a UFA, right? No, he's an RFA. Oh, and yeah. if he re-signs with Philadelphia, um, I believe a third-round pick for not this upcoming draft, but the following draft gets bumped to a second-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, you are right. He's an RFA. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I think both those goalies could potentially end up because, you know, you're going to essentially pay nothing for them. And, I mean, honestly, I think either one of those two guys would be upgrades over Yuroslav Halak. Um, but that still, to me, doesn't solve your goaltending situation. And and I think if you're John Tavares, you know, you look at other teams, like, for instance, the New York Rangers, where you think I can go there and I have a guy who I know is going to be a solid goaltender with the King. And, and I mean... There's, there's a few other teams, obviously, out there that he could land into that have solidified goaltending situations. Yeah, and when I look at this team and I go, okay, what happens if John Tavares walks? Here's their defense right now. Signed defenseman. Johnny Boychuk at 34 years old with four years left at $6 million. Ugh. Nick Letty, that's oh, a good guy. Uh, Adam Pellick and Scott Mayfield. There are your four signed defensemen. Uh, forwards, they only have four forwards signed to deals. So, uh, few more than that. I'm sorry, I said I meant eight. Eight. Four <laughs> times two is eight. I counted four, and then I counted four because I'm trying to add it up real quick. And then I said there four instead eight. They have eight forwards. So twelve roster players currently signed, which is uh, with you know uh, they do have a lot of cap space. Obviously, those those players coming off the books, but. Mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see what Lou can pull off here. Because if Tavares comes back, then it's business as usual. And now you probably start to see them bring in some someone else along with John Tavares. The interesting thing would be to say, all right, John, here we go. We're, we're you know, we're bringing in, you know, pick a, pick a player on free agency that, you know, they think would maybe fit with them. James Van Riemsdyk. Hey, you and James want to play together? Yeah, okay, we'll sign you both. Or right. who do you want us to go get for you? And I, I don't know. I don't know how much control a guy like Lou is going to be willing to give John Tavares in terms of like, hey, this is who I'd really like to play for. Wink, wink. But you know, you see it in the NBA where players have really taken control of who they play with, where they play. Even when guys are signed to teams, they go, trade me. I, I'm not happy here anymore. Okay, right. no worries. And they trade them. Uh, so I, I think that w- will that happen in hockey? Uh, I I don't know. I I still think John Tavares, there's probably 
10 teams that he could sign with right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think, uh, you know, I uh, honestly, I think if you're an Islanders fan, the one shining star that you have is knowing that Matthew Barzell looks like he's going to be a good uh, a star player in this league. Yes, this is true. But without John Tavares, a Matthew Barzell looks a lot more on an island. And, sure. And no, that's, absolutely. That's a big, big problem. And it, yeah, and it like you know, you and I talked about this, and you know, you always brought this up, and it's a it's a valid point. You know, he's been privileged to sit behind Tavares on that number two center spot. So when your team's rolling out their top defensive pair to play against you know the the top lines, they're going to go after Tavares first, which gives Barzell you know lesser. Um, you know, quality defenseman to play against. And, um, you know, that won't be the case if Tavares leaves next year. Yeah, exactly. And plus you've got Eberly and Anders Lee both coming up to unrestricted free agency at the end of this next season. So do those guys stick around if there's no Tavares there either? Yeah, I um, I think if – I think – Anders Lee might hang around, but I, I would suspect Jordan Everly might jump ship just because, you know, he was part of Edmonton for a while and he's probably sick of being at the bottom of the league all the time. And so, right. um, you know, when it doesn't look, when the outlook's not great for the Islanders, and I don't think it would be next year if they lose Tavares, you know, he'll say, hey, I'm going to go for greener pastures. Maybe I go sign a five mil per year deal in Toronto or something. I, I mean, I don't know. Sure. what he'll get yeah. but yeah. you know okay well uh yeah that is the the new york islanders and of course we didn't really even touch on the draft the fact that they have the 11th and the 12th overall pick thanks to the calgary flames and i i think that they with with those picks you at least have the ability to go look we're taking two really good players in the top of the you know top 15 of the draft uh mm-hmm. they should both be serviceable guys roster players for the islanders and so you you know you hope that you can maybe who knows maybe they can package those two together and move up into the top five. If uh, I I have heard that there's a lot of teams interested in moving down, which I think is often the case. You often hear that because teams are trying to figure out the value of those picks. But I mean, trading your uh, maybe your like twelfth pick and your second round pick. And being able to move up a couple spots uh, might be worth it if they really like a guy or want to, you know, move move way up and really make some some things happen because there's some good players at the top of that draft. So, oh yeah, absolutely. And I, um, you know, I was I was listening to a show the other day and somebody mentioned this, or, <clears throat> and it it seemed like a real possibility to me. Um, you know, Detroit is a team that's that's well known as moving down in the draft, and the Islanders, especially at number six. Um, I think if they had the opportunity, they would potentially package two of those picks to move up into Detroit's spot. Um, because you look at a guy like, for for me, who I think is probably outside of Darlene and Sveshnikov, I actually would take this guy number three, uh, and that's Oliver Wallstrom. And, you know, a lot of mock drafts, I've seen him falling around the seven, eight, nine spot. And personally, if I'm the Islanders, and if you know you're going to lose John Tavares, I think he's the perfect type of player who can come in, and he gives you goal scoring, playmaking ability, and he's already got great size at six foot one, a buck ninety eight. So he's got legs and size to burn. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I don't think that it would be worth trading an eleven, twelve for the sixth. That would be a big stretch. Move up five positions just to get 
uh, I don't know. That seems it seems like you're giving up a lot just to move up sure. there. But I guess well, if you love a guy and you think there's no one else you want, uh, then then it may make sense. Okay, let's uh, let's skip on over to the Calgary Flames. Uh, the Calgary Flames apparently hate the draft. Uh, they have their first pick in the draft. I, I have to scroll way down. Uh, they actually don't have a pick until the fourth round, 105th overall. They also Ouch. have the 108th overall pick from back when they traded Yuri Hoodler <laughs> to uh, to the Florida Panthers. Oh, boy. So that's from 2016. So... The, they uh, have that. They don't have a fifth round pick, and then they have their sixth and seventh. Not to mention the fact that next year they have no second round pick and no sixth round pick. So they are in the habit of trading their picks. Uh, now, okay, this this team they have quite a few free agents, but it's they're not super big impact guys. Uh, RFAs: Nick Shore, Garnet Hathaway, Brett Kulak. On defense, and then you have UFAs: Tanner Glass, Chris Stewart, Christopher Stieg, Merrick Horivik, and Matt Stajan, uh, along with Matt Bartel- Bart- Bartkowski on defense. So this team really, I mean, their main guys: Goudreau, Monahan, Backlund. They're all locked up. I mean, you've got a couple. You know, Kachuk and Bennett are about to uh, become restricted free agents, but. This seems very interesting because they they were playing pretty well early on. Uh, Mike Smith kind of came out of nowhere. I guess not out of nowhere, but he had a better than expected season. And we talked over and over in the in the preseason of this that the Flames had you know a defense to rival Nashville, and they just they stunk. They were bad. Yeah, uh, Travis Hamonic. That trade did not work out. Uh, hopefully he can figure out his life. Uh, but yeah, the the Flames are in an interesting position because now they only have about eh, they have 17 million in cap space. They have a decent amount of you know they have some spots to fill. Uh, so there is room for maybe some improvements and some free agents. But this team really it all centers around Goudreau and Monahan, and outside mm-hmm. of that, their depth at forward is really lacking the guys that should be stepping up like a like a sam bennett we we did see a i i guess a at one point it seemed like it was an improved season but really he had the same amount of points as he did the year before 26 points in 82 games that's not great that's not no so i mean matthew kachuk of course was a a nice bright spot for this team uh, I mean, 49 points in 68 games is uh, is excellent. So Matthew Kachuk will help to foster maybe that second line of offense. But, man, what does this team have to do in this offseason to get back to the playoffs? Um, I mean, you mentioned it. They, they need help at top six forwards, you know, getting some depth at the forward position. And I think – you know, there's a couple players free agent-wise that come to mind. I think a, uh, a David Biron, um, maybe a Patrick Maroon might be a couple guys they could target who could add some size and grit and some, you know, ability to put some points up. Um, and then secondly, you know, you hope that their defense kind of rebounds to where it was, you know, two seasons ago. I think Dougie Hamilton was the only bright spot 
on that defense last year. And, you know, like you mentioned, Hamannick, he needs to improve. We, we hope to see what we saw a couple of years ago when they traded a first and a second round pick to the Islanders for him. Um, and then, you know, lastly, they got to find a backup who can um, solidify the net in case Mike Smith gets injured again, because, you know, prior to his injury towards the end of the season, he was lights out one of the best goalies in the league. Um, when he came back, he clearly wasn't hundred percent and kind of his numbers dipped a little bit, but I don't think that was mainly any fault of his in particular. Um, I think the team in front of him could have played a little bit better, but, um, I would like to see them go after a backup goaltender who, you know, could provide some solid, you know, games for them when, you know, if and when Mike Smith gets hurt again, and maybe this is an opportunity for Edmonton to uh, to send Al Montoya across Alberta to Calgary. He would be a good good fit there. Yeah, I don't think Edmonton's going to do Calgary any favors. Although no, there is a former not. Calgary Flame who played quite well there, plays for the Buffalo Sabers, and is a free agent, Chad Johnson. You're, uh, so yeah, you're right about that. Perhaps there is some. I you know I've. I have no idea whether he liked playing in, in Calgary or not, but he'd probably like it better than Buffalo. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I mean, there's there's some there's there's a bevy of backup goalies who are serviceable enough. I mean, even even Kerry Lettinen, not a bad backup goalie. I mean, he, no, he had a nine eleven save percentage, so it's. I mean, he was not awful. Uh, the only guy better in a backup position who played. A significant amount of games is Carter Hutton and Jonathan Bernier. So, right. I mean, I, and I think that so, someone's going to give Carter Hutton the chance to be a starting goalie. Uh, not necessarily, for, you know, you're not looking at a, a a Stanley Cup contender, but a team like the Islanders. You're, when you mentioned before, I mean, Carter Hutton would be a great fit. Yeah, absolutely. He could go in, and you wouldn't sign him to a really long deal because I he's already 32, I believe, uh, but. You sign him to a three-year deal, and if it doesn't work out, then you know I guess you're just the island of ruining goalies because it seems <laughs> whoever goes there, it, they they trick you, you know. And you're like, oh, hala, he's good. Yeah, he'll be a good. No, no, not here. No, no, not here. Oh, okay, Rick DiPietro, first overall, he's going to be really good. Let's sign him to a fifty <laughs> a fifty-year deal and spread it out over fifty years. They're still paying him. <laughs> oh yeah, I think they pay him till what two thousand and uh, what, what is it two thousand twenty something. It's a ridiculous length yeah. for sure. It keeps um, going and going. That's that is the gift that keeps going. They they will be paying him <laughs> until twenty twenty eight twenty nine season. Wow, he he gets one million one point five million dollars every single year for doing nothing. Oh, thank you, New York. Yeah, he signed a 15-year deal back in 2006. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. I love it. <laughs> they, I, I hate that they limited the amount of years. You should be able to sign a guy to however much you want. If your owner yep. says, sure, well, why not? Why not? It, it's more fun that way. Uh, a guy that I would <laughs> like to see, I, I really would like to see the Flames uh, move Sam Bennett. I think at this point... Okay. The experiment is is over. I mean, I just don't think that it's it's one of those things where eh, maybe he could be a decent player somewhere. Uh, send him off to Vegas or something like that, and he'll find his game, score forty two goals, perhaps. Right. But uh, yeah, he it just it seems like 
it's kind of he's kind of spent there. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I won't disagree with you at all. I think he would he would bring them a decent enough return where they're not totally losing out. Um, I think maybe this is an opportunity where you have guys like Sean Monahan and Goudreau who are still in their early twenties to maybe go out and target a more veteran, like for instance, maybe a 28, 29 year old guy who still, you know, is producing fairly well. And you think maybe you package Sam Bennett in with, um, you know, a draft pick or a prospect or something. And you say, Hey, All you know, let's, let's make a deal. Gone. They, they, they don't yeah. have any draft picks <laughs> for the next three years. No, right. <laughs> but I mean, yes. Can you, can you package a Sam Bennett and, one of your defensemen who like it's just not really working with this combination of defensemen it's not to say that in a in a vacuum mark giordano is very good dougie hamilton i mean trading him it would be it would be dumb uh tj yeah, brody absolutely. though i mean he's he's had very good seasons and it's it's not he's 27 years old he he hasn't deteriorated yet uh travis hamannick 27 so i mean we know these guys can perform for whatever reason the combination of playing together just didn't work. Can they play with someone else? Probably. And so to be able to to say, well, hey, we'll take, you know, we'll, we'll trade TJ Brody and Sam Bennett, and we'll take them, and we'll we'll give you somebody who's somewhat established, but not. You're, you're obviously you're taking on that, especially that contract of Brody for the next two years, and and Sam Bennett. You're you're taking those guys and saying. You know, hey, it didn't work here, but we do recognize they have talent. You're not just going to give a second-round pick and a mid-level prospect and get both those guys by any means. But I, I think that taking those two would be a risk. And then if you hit on one of them, then, hey, great, the the trade yeah. worked. But, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think a team like, you know, uh, Vegas would be a great landing spot, I think, for either one of those guys like you mentioned. And, um it's funny too, not to not to get too off topic, but I I was I was reading the other day and apparently Vegas um, tried to make a deal um, earlier in the season for um, before the season began they made tried to make a deal for Tom Wilson and Philip Grubauer and all they were willing to give up was Nate Schmidt and apparently that's just how much they valued Nate Schmidt before anybody else did, which is crazy to me. Wow, imagine yeah. if you have the. That would be. I mean, Vegas could have Tom Wilson, but Nate Schmidt, number one defenseman. Uh, obviously, not taking that trade worked out well for both teams. Yes, was, I agree. It was a it was a good idea. That's that's a good little tidbit. Uh, okay, well, that is our show for today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the way we broke these teams down. If you didn't, uh, you can always tell us about it on Twitter at ot hockey talk. Uh, next show we will be running down the Dallas Stars picking at 13th. The St. Louis Blues, who don't actually have their draft pick, but uh, they were 14th overall in the draft order. So we'll do the Blues and the 15th overall pick, the Florida Panthers. So, Ooh, You're well uh, familiar with those, I, with that I team. Am, I am. So we'll have a, a good little show for you for those. And until then, we hope you enjoy game numero three in Washington on Saturday night. We will talk to you on the weekend.